That's it for announcements. We're going to jump into week three here of Romans chapter 12 and what it means when we would raise our hand and say, I am a Christian. What does that mean to us? Around the world, people use different symbols to indicate their Christian belief. A lot of, in a lot of Western cultures like ours, we use crosses. Some people use fish. Um, in the Middle Eastern cultures, it's become popular to use the Arabic letter N, standing for Nazarene. And, uh, and some people have actually used that as almost kind of a badge of honor to wear. And uh, so one of the things we're doing around the church is using this symbol just to kind of stir up new thinking and consider what it means to be marked as a Christian. And, uh, and two opportunities we have um, right in front of us to just make that fun and practical. If you remember on week one, kind of challenged everyone to say, hey, you know, wear this, or if you have artistic ability, create something. So two different t-shirts have been created right here in our church family uh, that are optional for you to order, and you can order those today if you'd like to. One of the t-shirts is here. I see a couple people wearing it. If you wanted to stand up real quick, Scott in the back, Alicia here. So you see the, the, the go ahead and turn around there, Alicia. The, the word Jesus has that letter N in it. So if you'd like one of those, we also have a different version. We don't have physical ones of that are red that have, I don't know, kind of a unique mark in the front and then the whole text of Romans 12 um, on the shirt. So that's kind of unique as well. You can sign up for those in the gym. As you're eating your apple, you can write down what sizes you'd like to order, and we'd love to get those to you uh, within a couple weeks. Yes? It's actually two versions of the last okay. picture. Sure. If you don't want the Awesome. Yeah, that's great. I don't know what it means about you if you say, I'm willing to wear Jesus, but I'm not willing to say I'm transformed. You know, that's, uh, but uh, you can pick what you want. You know, that's great. Okay, um, so Romans 12, if you turn there in the Bible, we, uh, we are in verses 3 through 5 this morning, and I want to read verses 1 and 2 just to kind of catch us up, and then we'll read into 3 and 5 and think about uh, what the Lord would have, have for us today. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect." Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, and this is the Apostle Paul writing this as one who is an apostle to communicate God's message, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Okay, so when he says body, he's saying we are a body of people, the body of Christ, the church, and we all have functions to play, but as we're evaluating how we're doing, we shouldn't be overestimating who we are. Instead, we're recognizing what God has gifted us to do, and then leaning into that and recognizing we're a team. We have to serve together and really, the, the Christian movement and any individual church and our own Christian lives are going to rise or fall, not based on what you as an individual do, but based on what we do together. Okay, so let's, 
unpack this verse a little bit. From verse 1, we learn surrender to God is the distinguishing mark of Christians everywhere. More important than the earrings you wear or the t-shirt you have is whether or not you are surrendered to God. Verse 2, we talked about last week, transformation requires changing the way we think about life, now referencing Jesus as our Lord. So here we are in verse 3, saying, okay, Lord, what do you want to teach us as we meditate on that, as we consider the meaning of this verse? So we'll walk through a couple of the key phrases. Um, First of all, as Paul was writing, the privilege and authority that God has given him, he's giving this charge, he's giving this warning. And it's interesting to think about, here's the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Rome. By this time, most Christians had heard of Paul. They knew that he was a, you know, kind of a key apostle. He's writing letters to various churches. He had started many of the churches, not the church in Rome, but they certainly had gotten a word of who he was. So he's sending this message saying, you know, God gave me this special opportunity to be an apostle, to, to speak with authority. And, and I'm using that, this is kind of personal to me, I'm using that authority to challenge you with something. I don't want you to think too much of yourselves. Now, there's two levels to how this could go. First of all, if you're a Roman Christian in the Roman Empire, living in Rome, at the Church of Rome, do you think it could be possible that in your heart you think we're a little bit special? Right? I mean, we are, we are in the capital city. We are kind of the capital citizens. Probably in the Church of Rome, if you were to somehow have some sort of meter of influence, the people who were in Rome had higher influence on world affairs than all the other people in the world, right? So if you're part of that church, you're sort of used to being, I don't know, privileged, right? This is the rich men north of Richmond crowd, right? That's the, they're all there in Rome. And so as they're enjoying what all that means, you could imagine that it would be, they might be used to thinking a little bit highly of themselves. After all, we built the world's greatest empire. That would be maybe the thinking going on among some of the, especially the officials, the elites of that area. So he says, I'm warning you as an apostle, don't get carried away with how great you think you are. Now that's on the corporate level. Very personally, this happens to any one of us, right? Because we look around and we start to compare ourselves to the people around us and we we look at Joan over here and we're like, wow, Joan has it all together. I'll never measure up to her. But then we feel a little bit better when when we turn over here and here's Pete and Pete, his life is a disaster. And we go, well, at least I'm not that bad. At least I'm doing okay compared to Pete. And we compare ourselves based on people around us and how they're doing and we sort of assume we'll we'll be okay. Maybe we're not perfect, but we're better than average. That would be what the average person would think, right? So so Paul says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give you this warning, don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest. That is actually see the truth about yourself, about your station in life, and about what God has called you to. Be honest in the evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And this is really important, because when you think about an evaluation, the only reason an evaluation means anything is in what you're referencing that evaluation to, right? So you get the little, if you're a parent, you get the printout from the school once a year, and they go, you know, here's your kid, here's his reading score. But the reading score, let's say it's, you know, 18. 
say, well, that doesn't mean anything unless you tell me 18 out of how many. And then really we're not so interested in that because what we really want to see is 18 is what my kid got. Show me the funnel of where all the other kids are. Is my kid trending better or worse than what an average kid would trend, right? So what you measure against gives the measurement meaning. So when you measure your Christian life, when you evaluate yourself, if you're not supposed to look at your neighbor and go, well, at least I'm better than that guy, what should you measure it by? He says, well, measure it by the faith that God has given you. So you don't, you don't measure against other people, you measure against what has God called you to do. Well, where, where does God have you in your life? So if you want to break it down, what do I measure myself against? We've got options, right? And we probably have all played some of these comparison games along the way. I know I have. Oh, I, could, I could say, well, what are others thinking I do? That's kind of a fun comparison. Because then if, you know, if, you, if you're good at sounding good or looking good, um, you know, a lot of, how are you doing? I go, oh, man, I'm so busy. Part of what's behind that is we want people to notice how much we're doing or how important what we are is doing. So you could say, well, that's my measuring stick. What do other people think? Well, what are other people doing? Right? And that can be either discouraging or encouraging based on who you are and what you're doing. You could measure yourself against what fits well into my life. So maybe you say, you know, my Christian commitment, like I'm doing all I can. Or I'm a really busy person, so I'm fitting in a little bit for Jesus here. And like you're feeling pretty good. Like you're evaluating yourself based on your life and going, well, you know, this is what I can fit in. You evaluate based on what you wish you could do. This would usually yield a negative evaluation. At least it would for me. Because I would think about all the things I wish I could do, the things I haven't been able to do yet, the things I might not ever be able to do, and go, man, I'm failing on all fronts here. Because it doesn't really matter what I've already done. It actually, like, there's so many things that could have happened. We could measure ourselves based on what God has given for others to do. Say, so, oh, man, there are some people in our church or in our community that are so gifted. There are people that are wealthy, that are giving so much. There's other people that are talented, they're doing so much. There's somebody over here that can teach so well. There's somebody else up here that can sing or play the guitar so well. There's other people who are just able to serve so, you know, selflessly. And I don't, I don't think I measure up to any of that. Okay, well, the good news is God isn't asking you to measure up to any of that. God wants us to compare ourselves against what he has given for us to do. So you look at your life and you say, Lord, as, now that you're my Lord and I'm following you and I'm being transformed, now I'm supposed to view my life through a different lens. So it's not really reference to the people around me. It's actually reference to, Lord, what did you make me to do? What have you gifted me to do? What resources have you put in my hand? What energy have you handed to me? What opportunities have you handed to me? Lord, my job is not to compare to everybody else. My job is to be faithful with what I have. Right? And so even if you're the only person being faithful with what you have, that still just makes you a faithful servant to God. That doesn't make you better than everybody else. Right? So as you're comparing yourself with one another, uh, Paul says, hey, don't, don't, don't play that game. Don't, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Be honest in your evaluation and reference how you're doing, not based on others, but based on what God has given you to do. Okay, so you might ask questions like this. Am I being faithful with what God has given me to do? Are my decisions, talents, resources, and energies being well used in the service of Jesus and for the benefit of others? Now, when we go forward in the text to the next few verses that we'll talk about next week, 
he starts to break that down, and he shows how each of us is gifted differently. We're talented differently. The Holy Spirit supernaturally gives us gifts that are different in nature so that we can serve each other and so that we can advance God's kingdom. It's not just so that we can say, wow, look, I've I've achieved something. It's not really about you at all. It's actually about the kingdom of Jesus and the love of God moving across the world, and you get to be a part of it. You're a part of a body that that's the mission of that body. The body, it doesn't exist for the individual part to thrive. It exists for the whole to accomplish its purpose. So we say, Lord, I want to be faithful to you, and that's how I want to evaluate myself. So it's not, did I give more than someone else would give, or did I serve uh, extra volunteer hours more than the other person served? It's actually, Lord, in my life, with what you've handed to me, am I being faithful? And if we can say yes, then we say that's an honest evaluation of ourselves. Or maybe you say, no, that's my honest evaluation. Uh, I need to take a step forward in intentionality, not trying to impress others, but actually saying, Jesus, you're my Lord now, so where do you want me to serve, and how do you want me to share? If I was the richest, most talented Christian in Berrien County, go ahead and raise your hand if that, no, don't worry about it. Um, or if I was the poorest, least talented, maybe a few of us would say, I, I might be that one, you know. The, uh, I'm still equally responsible to be faithful to Jesus as Lord of my life. Okay? So when we, when we think about what it means to measure ourselves, it has nothing to do with our resources or our talents. It has everything to do with whether we're being faithful with what God has given to us so that we play our part in the body. Okay? And that's where we get to the next part of the verse. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. So what's amazing about how God has designed all of us, even though some of us have similar gifts, like some of us could fill in for each other, no one can replace you. You realize that, right? I mean, if you you say, you know what, I'm going to check out for two months, I'm just not going to serve, you're leaving a hole that no one else can fill. No one can do what you would do. No one has the mix of experiences, talents, abilities, and calling that you have. So as you say, Lord, here I am to serve you, I want to put my opportunities, my gifts, my energies all on the altar here as part of my living sacrifice to you, when we all do that together, we become a body of irreplaceable parts, and all of us have an important function. We say, Lord, I I want to find out what my function is so that I can serve, so that I can give, so that I can go. So each of us has a special function. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. I think it's interesting to consider the body belonging to each other. So you look around the room for a second and think, these people belong to me, and I belong to these people. What does that mean to say that, to think that? It means that like, we're, we're not going to be able to accomplish our mission without each other, and the reason we're in the body is not so that we get either edified or fed or we're more happy because we were here. The reason we're actually in the body is so that we can work together. That's why this whole thing is here. If there wasn't a dynamic where we're supposed to be a team, we could all just watch YouTube sermons and call it even, right? But no, we're here together on purpose. So Lord, what is that purpose and how am I supposed to fit into that purpose? How do I serve faithfully so that the whole body can work together? And it's fun to think about that. God has given you something. He hasn't given anyone else. And so when you engage, when you serve, when you share, 
you're adding value that means something. It's not something we just go, oh man, you know, Joe left and so let's just, you know, we'll, we'll put Sam in instead. I mean, we might have to do that, like as far as positions are concerned, but the reality is there's no way to replace you. Uh, you have a function in the body. Okay, so not only do we recognize our varying functions as body parts, but we serve each other as we're faithful to complete our mission. We can't fulfill our purpose alone. A few years ago, this image uh, floated around online. Anyone seen this before? Hopefully you're nodding yes, because I did show it before. I know all of you pay like laser-focused laser attention. You go, oh yeah, I saw that six years ago when you put that up there. Um, so, anybody know what that is? Yeah, okay, so this is a digital representation of the complexity inside of one living cell. It's not a picture, it's a digital build. And the people who built it said that they had to reduce the complexity to make it understandable to look at, whatever that means to you. So you look at that and you go, that's one cell, and we know there are billions of cells making just you happen. And then, you know, when you look at every blade of grass and every banana and all, it, all of it is made out of this and say, wow, that is a, like sort of the programming code for creation here, way beyond our ability to grasp, right? You've got supercomputers running 24-7 trying to map out genomes and things. That's just the very beginning of actually understanding any of what's in that picture, let alone how all of it interacts times trillions of living things. It's mind-blowing, right? So you look at that picture and you go, and this is, by the way, so small, the scale. The reason that they can't take a picture at this level is that, and I'm, I'm not a scientist, so I'm doing the best I can, but the, 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 the things represented in this picture are smaller than the wavelengths of visible light. So you would not be able to take a picture of them. They're that tiny. Um, and so here you have all these moving parts inside of a cell. And you look at, you zoom in on any one of those parts, and you say, is that part important? Well, of course. I mean, it's making the cell work. Does that part have a function that, like, if that part doesn't do its job, will something else go wrong? Yes. In all likelihood, something will be wrong with that cell. It might not even work at all if one of those pieces decides to do its own thing or decides to all of a sudden check out, right? It's really important that every part does its function. But when you would look at that cell, would there be any part of that cell that could say, look how important I am, I don't need the other parts? Well, if you took any part of that out, not only would it be so tiny you couldn't even see it, but you take any part of that out and it's not going to be able to function, it's not going to mean anything without the rest of the body with it, right? And the cell, if you zoom up, the cell isn't going to mean anything without the rest of the organ that it's attached to or whatever it's trying to accomplish so ultimately, we're all part of this global body of Christ, and if you were to zoom way in to what it means to be a Christian and to serve Jesus in this world, there you would be a very tiny part of the big story, but your part is for you to play. So if you're the mitochondria, you get to walk around with a puffed up chest and go, what am I? I know some of you know. What's the mitochondria? Schoolhouse rock. The powerhouse of the cell, right? So you go, no, no, the mitochondria, even the mighty mitochondria doesn't get to claim or boast or something because it's great. No, it, it is only functional if it's surrounded by all the other stuff that's in that picture. So I look at that and go, okay, Lord, you've, 
you've put me in that picture. If you wanted to think of it this way, maybe, maybe our church is one cell in the global body of Christ. And there's all sorts of things that are supposed to happen all over the world throughout all of Christian history to ultimately serve Jesus and glorify God. And our church has a part to play, and you have a tiny part inside of that to play. That's why you say, Lord, I'm willing to serve. I'm not in this for me. I'm in this body because you have a purpose for me as a part of it. My life is only effective for Christ as I function on the team with others. There's no such thing as doing my Christian life alone. Jesus didn't call us to be heroes. He called us to be servants. So as we think about where we're going as Christians, we understand I'm surrendering to Jesus. My mind is transformed. But now I step forward and I realize I'm not alone. I'm in the body of Christ. And whether I'll succeed as a Christian, whether the mark of Christianity will really mean anything in my life or I'll ever accomplish anything, is not just about like my level of faith or surrender personally. It's about my willingness and humility to serve on the team and to be a part of a bigger story. So a couple thought questions as we wrap up today. Uh, with what have I been measuring myself? When you think about how, how good or bad you're doing or how you're feeling or if somebody said, hey, like rate your church engagement or your, you know, how, what, what's the measuring stick you've been using? Have I been faithful with what I have been given? Have I been faithful with what I've been given? It's very easy. I've noticed this in my own life. Um, it's very easy to look at other people and what they're given and sort of say, I, you know, if I had that, I'd, I'd do better. You know, if I, had, if I had that gift, if I had that money, if I had that position, then wow, man, though I, I would be so much more effective. That's not the question God wants us to answer first, right? Maybe he'll give you that. But what he's interested in is, are you being faithful with what you've already been given? Hey, am I on the team or am I still trying to make my life count on my own? Am I on the team? It doesn't have to be, like I would just say as a, as a pastor, as one who cares about you, like you don't, it doesn't have to be this team. I just want you on a team. I don't want you to waste your life and get all the way to Judgment Day and realize I never really served, I never really shared. So whether you plug in here or plug in somewhere, join the team. Uh, don't sit on the sidelines. And then who is the Lord of what I accomplish in my life? Is that up to you to decide or are you as one tiny part in the body willing to say, Jesus is my Lord, I'll follow him and I'll serve where he puts me. So let's pray and let's commit this to God. Lord, we see in the, in the scripture here, once again, a call for laying aside ourselves and embracing your kind of life. It takes us in a very different direction than where we might naturally try to go. It calls us away from selfishness and into humility and servanthood. I pray that you would give each one of us fresh eyes to see our place in the big story. Help us not to waste our time, or our energy on the fruitless pursuit of doing it our way or having it our way. Lord, would you help us to surrender and then in humility be willing to serve one another
recognizing that as a body we belong to each other and our success or our failure has more to do with how we operate together and a lot less to do with our own competencies or giftings. Lord, we want to serve you and we want the lives we have to honor you. Help us to apply this principle. Help us to change our view of how we see ourselves, how we define our our measurements, and then help us, once we get that straight, uh, to be able to serve joyfully as a part of the team that you're building. I pray that we would accomplish much for your glory as a church and for every individual and family in this room. Lord, would you use us in ways that would advance your love and your purpose here and across the world. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. See you next week. Remember to stop and have an apple.